Gentlemen, this episode of the Gerda Podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples Podcast. You all know I've got big love for Pastor Steinberg. I truly do enjoy his content. I truly do enjoy his work. He's doing wonderful things over there. Include him in your prayers. And make sure that you are listening to the Christ for Disciples Podcast. The Christ for Disciples Podcast is put out five days a week and applies God's word to raising the next generation in the Lord. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast at ChristForDisciples.com or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast. That's ChristForDisciples.com. Now, our other sponsor today is Iron Men of God. You've heard me talk about Iron Man of God before. You know I'm going to be there. I hope that we do see you there because Christian men today face many challenges in our increasingly post-Christian world. One of the most important challenges Christian men face is defining what it means to be a Christian man living in this world. Iron Men of God, formed in 2014 by a group of laymen from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Exonia, Wisconsin, works to address this challenge through the Iron Men of God Men's Conference. Each year, Iron Men of God Men's Conference speakers help attendees sharpen and strengthen their faith by using God's Word to clearly define our roles as husbands, fathers, and leaders in our families, churches, and communities. Attendees are also encouraged in their faith by their fellow brothers in Christ. So join us this year for our conference and be strengthened and encouraged in your faith as well. This year's conference takes place on Saturday, March 21st, 2020, from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. It is in Exonia, Wisconsin, at St. Paul's Lutheran School. We'd love it if you join us. This is the 7th Annual Ironman of God Conference. We want you to hear God's Word aimed straight at men. Once you enjoy a delicious catered lunch with us and worship with your brothers in Christ. This year, also, high school and college-aged men can register for free so make sure you get on to ironmenofgodwi.org and get your registration in right now. That's ironmenofgodwi.org. If you're driving, you should probably stop driving first, but then you need to go to the ironmenofgodwi.org and register for the Iron Men of God Men's Conference. I'll see you there. Make sure you stop by the booth and say hi. I pray that the Lord continues to bless you through that ministry, through the ministry of this podcast. And if you want to hear your ministry or your workplace or your product or whatever it is advertised on the Grid Up podcast, make sure you reach out to me and we can make an arrangement to do just that. Blessings. Enjoy the show. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. All right, fellas. St. Patrick's Day is just around the corner, a couple of weeks away. Actually, not even that. Eh, I guess it is. A couple of weeks away. And uh, I will not be one of the masses going out on St. Patrick's Day. Um, I will probably crack a Guinness at home if I even get a Guinness. I'll crack a beer for St. Patrick. And I'll tell you why in just a couple of minutes. Um, but I've, I've never been a big celebrator of the Saints' days, if you know what I'm talking about. So, like, St. Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, St. Nicholas. Um, I, I, I don't know. 
as when we were kids, of course, you know, mom gives you Valentine's on Valentine's Day, and you always have a little St. Patrick's Day party, and you talk about how he used the uh, shamrock to teach him about the Trinity and blah blah blah, which actually isn't <laughs> has been proven not to be true, but. That was about the gist of the celebration. We never, my family never celebrated, you know, the feast of Saint Nicholas. Although we did exchange gifts and we didn't celebrate, we did uh, have, you know, we believed in Santa Claus and all that kind of stuff. Um, in fact, I love um, teaching my kids, my students, um, about Saint Nicholas. Um, this year, I wrote letters from a mysterious quote unquote Father Christmas, um, who tied all these different Christmas traditions to um, the Christ Child and to the Christ's birth, um, and I had it was awesome. I love it. Actually, I'm thinking about I'm gonna this summer. I'm gonna put it together into a little, into a little spiel, and maybe um, get that out there for the world to use. I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, but the study and celebration of Saint Nicholas was a part of that. Um, but I've never been one of the people that really, really gets into it. Uh, I always kind of considered them Americanized holidays, which is what they are at this point. But that does not diminish the value of studying who these men were. They're all saints. They're all considered saints for a reason. Now, I'm obviously not one of the people who's going to stand up and say that, you know, saints are holier than thou or that they have some sort of special connection to God or that they're, you know, uh, they have sway over what God hears or that we should pray to them or any of that. I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying, though, is that these men who are celebrated in church tradition as the saints most of them did something pretty crazy in the eyes of the world uh, for the sake of the kingdom. Most of them did something that would be considered pretty nuts to the rest of the world, to the unbelieving world, for the sake of the cross of Christ. Uh, if you're familiar with those stories, St. Nicholas um, became a very wealthy man while he was a young priest, and he would use his money instead of pursuing worldly gain. He would use his money to bless the poor people in his congregation. The most well-known of those stories uh, was a, uh, it's a, a young merchant, well, an, uh, sorry, a poor merchant um, who gets himself into debt, and he's worried he's going to have to sell off his three daughters into slavery. He's got three young daughters, um, and he's, he's going to have to sell his daughters into slavery in order to pay his debt. And just in the nick of time, a mysterious bag of gold appears, and it's just enough money to pay a dowry so he can marry off one of his daughters. And then when it's time for the next daughter to be sold off into slavery... Again, a dowry appears, and then the third time, um, again, a dowry appears, but this time, St. <laughs> Nicholas gets caught doing good, if you will, um, and he makes the man, the merchant, promise not to tell anyone what he's done, but of course, the merchant can't keep himself silent, and he uh, he tells the whole city about what happened, and that's where our tradition of gift-giving on St. Nicholas Day comes from. Um, St. Valentine, they argue about what St. Valentine actually did, but my favorite story about St. Valentine... Well, first of all, there's no doubt that St. Valentine was a martyr. There's no doubt that St. Valentine died because he refused to deny the cross of Christ. He refused to deny that that uh, Christ is Lord, that Jesus is Lord, and that uh, he has redeemed us and saved us. He refused to deny that, and because of that, he was cruci- he was killed. Um, but my favorite the version of the story of St. Valentine is that um, either, the, either Caesar said no men in the army are allowed to be married um, so that they aren't afraid to die, or um, he was conscripting unmarried men into the army. Either way, it was illegal for these men to get married. Um, These young men are falling in love. They're not allowed to get married because they are in the army, and St. Valentine 
allowed them to get married. He secretly held wedding ceremonies for these young couples who otherwise would have had to live a lifestyle that was not congruent with their faith. St. Valentine did this, and he was he had to face the consequences for it. He was very bold in defying even the government that stood in opposition to the cross of Christ. But my favorite one is St. Valentine. Now, I uh, read a book a few years ago by Stephen Mansfield. It's just an excellent read, and it's an excellent book called uh, The Search for God in Guinness. And in the book, um, Stephen Mansfield writes about the Guinness Company um, and uh, you know, outlines how the Guinness family um, did all kinds of incredible things for the Irish community, for the Irish nation, um, and they were godly men for generation after generation. In fact, more than once, the heir of the Guinness fortune gave it up in order to become a man of the cloth, which is just super cool and incredible. But he also talks about um, Irish heritage and where beer and alcohol, the role that they play in, in Irish heritage. Now, I'm not, I'm just barely a little bit Irish. I'm I'm mostly German. Um but I just love this story. It fascinates me, uh, the story of St. Patrick. And um, if you don't know anything about St. Patrick, it's worth digging in and studying in detail. In fact, we still have some of his writings. I've never read them. That should be on my list, I guess, of things to read. Um, but we do have some of his writings, which is just incredible and miraculous because it happened before the Dark Ages, which is another reason why St. Patrick is important. But that's, that's for a different podcast and a different time. Um, St. Patrick, when he was about 16, so he grew up, he was either agnostic or atheistic. He definitely was not a believer in his younger years. And when he was 16, he was kidnapped in a a raid by Irish marauders and sold into slavery. So he's in Ireland, or what is now modern-day Ireland, as a slave. Um, He's forced to be a sheep herder and a pig pig herder. Um, And while he's there, he's treated very harshly, treated very brutally. And um, he doesn't have any hope, and he learns to pray. While he's out there in the fields by himself, he learns to pray. And as a slave, he doesn't have any rights and privileges, but he learns to pray. He learns to to know the Father. And uh, as he learns to pray, a vision comes to him that says, your ship is ready. This is the legend, of course. Your ship is ready. So he escapes from slavery. He goes back to Britain, which would be like modern-day Scotland or Wales, probably is where he was from. Um, And then when he gets home, he reunites with his family, and then he goes off to France to study the scriptures and to become a priest. He becomes a priest. He eventually becomes a bishop. Um, He's very well known in the church. He's an important man in the church. And he gives it all up to go and evangelize to the Irish people who were his captors, who owned him as a slave. He goes back to them, and he then evangelizes. And, of course, the Druids don't like it, and so they, you know, they're they actively persecuting him. They're trying to kill him. They enslave him multiple times. He escapes multiple times. Um, he even tries to go and pay his ransom to his former slave owners. So they wouldn't be you know, considered a, a runaway slave anymore. Um, and he's so his, his former slave master is so afraid um, and so afraid of being shamed by this slave master, by this former slave that he burns himself and all his possessions as St. Patrick approaches. But the best part of the story, I think, is the way St. Patrick evangelized. He brought his personal brewmaster with him. And his, the details on this might not be exactly correct, but he brought his personal brewmaster with him. And when he would reach a new group of natives in Ireland, he would teach them how to brew beer. And when they learned how to brew beer, he would... Um, they would welcome him then because he, he brought this new wonderful delicacy to them. And then he would have the opportunity to talk about Jesus. I just think that's an awesome story. It's a lovely story. And he's a man, again, who was incredibly bold for the sake of the cross of Christ. He just 
abandoned his own welfare for the sake of bringing the gospel to other people. And that's something that we need to talk about. It's something we need to think about. It's something um, that we need to consider when we talk about Jesus. The Bible is clear that when I follow Jesus, I will carry a burden just as he did. Now, we don't carry the burden of sin on our shoulders, and you and I uh, are unlikely to be crucified for the sins of the world since that has already taken place, and you and I aren't perfect. We're not Jesus. But he does say, pick up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say it's going to be easy or roses and it's going to be fun all the time. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. If we walk in the way and we follow Jesus as he desires, right, walking in his direction, he promises that he will bear the burden with us and he will, and we can simply follow him, right? That's that footsteps in the sand poem, right? Um, that's what a friend we have in Jesus, the wonderful hymn, right? That's what we're talking about there. When I walk in Jesus' direction, he's going to carry the burden. But if we love the Lord and instead of simply following him, try to go our own way, we only add to an already considerable and unbearable burden. This is surrender. We need to surrender to our Heavenly Father. We need to surrender to Jesus. The Lord has a plan and he wants us to follow him. If he doesn't force us to follow him, he gives us a choice. I already cling to him as my savior from death and sin, and I believe that his sacrifice as my substitute has redeemed me. Right? I have saving faith. I have a place prepared for me in heaven, but that's not the end of the story. He also says that he has begun a good work in me, and he will bring it to completion. He wants to bring it to completion. So I need to let go of the things of this world, not just physical things, but also my own passions and desires and take up his. I must lose myself to Jesus. And yeah, I am going to face loss. I am going to lose parts of myself that were there before. I am going to lose who I am now as a sinner, as someone who does not follow Jesus as I should. I'm going to lose that. But the Spirit, as the Spirit does his work in me, he does his work, as he does his work of sanctification, he will animate me and he will animate you to serve in his kingdom. Again, I always have a choice. He gives me choices. He allows me to make up my mind. So why wouldn't I make up my mind to follow him? I love um, Gordon Dalby uh, wrote um, Healing the Masculine Soul. And I've talked about that on the podcast before. Uh, but Gordon Dalby writes in Healing the Masculine Soul, the most unsettling criticism I ever heard of a Christian, in this case a well-known church leader, was that he had never done anything that might get him crucified. Again, the harshest criticism he'd ever heard was that someone, a church leader, had never done anything that might get him crucified. You and I were, are, still are a chosen people. We are a chosen people set apart by God to do his will and do his work. He chooses to use you and I to accomplish his means. He certainly doesn't have to. He chooses to. The Spirit makes us bold to love like Jesus did. And Jesus did not love the way the world loves. In a time where women were treated as second-class citizens and um, people with diseases were outcasts and the undesirables in society were seen as less than human, Jesus reached out and touched a leper before he had been healed. He reached out and touched a leper with incredible compassion. He turned water into wine. And if you're unfamiliar with the numbers related to this story, um, if you translated that into modern-day bottles of wine, Depending on how you translate the text, it could have been 700 bottles of wine. It could have been 900 bottles of wine. But either way, it's a ridiculous amount of wine. And it's the best wine the, the, the uh, matcher of the banquet had ever tasted. 
It's an incredible miracle. It's really cool. It's awesome. Uh, Jesus forgave adulterers. There's that image of Jesus, you know, writing in the sand as the Pharisees and teachers of the law bring a woman caught in adultery to him. By the way, he doesn't, they don't bring the man caught in adultery. They just bring the woman and they say, should she be stoned? And Jesus says, well, the law says she should be stoned, but let him who is sinless cast that first stone. And he keeps writing in the sand. And as they all walk away, one by one, he turns to the woman and says, has no one stayed to condemn you? She says, not one. And he looks at her and says, neither then do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. That's the way he sees you and me. Jesus evangelized to Samaritans. They were the enemies of the Jews. They were despicable. They were like pigs to the Jews. And yet, not only did he walk through Samaria, but he evangelized to the Samaritans. And the first Samaritan he teaches is an adulterous woman who's had five husbands and is living with a man who isn't her husband. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. One of his closest companions, several of his closest companions, were tax collectors. They were demon-possessed, like formerly demon-possessed, and retired prostitutes. They weren't retired when he met them, but they retired once they met him. Right? He is surrounded by tax collectors and sinners. He's surrounded by the spiritually sick. He even cleared out the temple so that the Gentiles would have a place to worship. That's the underlying theme there is he ha- they have taken over the temple courts, the court of the Gentiles, and the Gentiles no longer have a place to worship. So Jesus drives out the money changers, and he drives out the cattle, and he drives out everything. He drives out everything except for the doves, which he knows are going to be crushed and ruined if he drives them out. And he tells the dove sellers, get these out of here. He does all of this out of love for the people of God. He also boldly, provoked and enraged the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, even in the week before his death, knowing what the outcome would be. He didn't just speak out boldly while there was peace. He didn't just speak out boldly while they were willing to listen. When they began to condemn him and plot against him, what af- even after he knew that Judas was going to betray him, he continued to call them whitewashed tombs, a brood of vipers, sons of hell, creating men who are twice the sons of hell that they are. He spoke boldly like this during the last week of his life. He did not live by conventional human wisdom. He didn't call it quits when things got hard. He didn't hide his faith. He didn't hide his purpose. He knew exactly who he was, exactly why he was here, exactly what he was doing, exactly where he was headed, and he did it boldly anyway, even unto death on the cross. And it wasn't easy. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he cries drops of blood. He sweats drops of blood because he knows how miserable and how incredible and how beyond feeling this punishment is going to be. He's going to bear the weight of sin. He is going to suffer hell in our place as our substitute, as our redeemer. He doesn't want to. But it's the will of the Father, and he surrenders to the will of the Father. Jesus was the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the perfect example of masculinity and manhood. Jesus is the perfect example of what a man ought to be. Jesus did not worry about what others might think or what conventional wisdom might say or how the church might react. He boldly did the Father's will even unto death. Jesus was the perfecter of our faith, and we ought to live like Jesus did. We ought to love like Jesus did. 
If Jesus, the very perfection of manhood, was an outlaw condemned by established religion, shunned by the masses, and even put to death, should not we, the people of God, live just as boldly as Jesus did? If you have a relationship with the Lord, you know what I'm talking about when you say it pulls on the heartstrings of your heart, right? The strings of your heart, and you can feel the Lord calling sometimes, right? Maybe you're walking out of the grocery store. Somebody holds out their hand to you and says, do you have a dollar? Do you have food? Can you help us out? Most of the time, you can tell they don't really need it or that they're drunk or whatever, right? But every once in a while, there's a pull on your heart. Help this man. Every once in a while, you interact with a single mother who's just trying to keep it together, and he pulls on your heart. He speaks to your soul and he says, help this woman, show her my love. Every once in a while, you hear about a cause, you see something on the news, you hear about something at, at, in the announcements after church, and your heart goes out to them. You can hear the voice of the Lord calling, who will go? Who will I send? Who will go for me? Have the courage to say, here am I, send me. When you hear the voice of the Lord calling, Follow it. Do what he asks you to do. Live like Jesus did. Love like Jesus did. And do the work of the Father here on the earth. I'm not saying you should go be radicalized and do crazy things and yada, yada, yada. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is you need to hear the voice of the Lord and you need to do what he says. And if you're not hearing the voice of the Lord, don't go do anything crazy. Spend more time in prayer and ask the Father to speak to you. Ask him to show you the path. Tell him you want to follow where he leads and ask him to lead you. He will. He promises he will. He says he has good things prepared in advance for you to do. He has a plan. Follow him. Let Jesus be your guide. Connect to him every day. All day, every day, in prayer, in meditation on the law, on meditation on the gospel. Connect to him. Drink deeply of him. We're starving and dying of thirst without him. So connect to your heavenly father. Drink deeply of his word and of his love. Walk in his paths and do as he bids you. What are you going to do that might get yourself crucified? Go do it and do it boldly. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message.
Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.